Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1252, air date July 3rd, 2023. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Um, today, we're going to be uh, doing a discussion on a very important topic that's very, very timely. And the discussion is what is going on in France? And we're going to be doing a systems analysis of this. We're going to be doing a systems analysis of this. And my colleague joining me on this is, um, uh, we have a special, uh, very important guest, James Richardson. James is actually out of France. He's one of our Truth, Freedom, and Health Warrior Scholars. And James will give a little bit of background, but he lives in France, um, in on the border of France and Germany, Strasbourg. Uh, but we're going to be um, going into a deep discussion today to really talk about what is going on in France with James, um, but we're gonna be doing a systems analysis. Many of you know that the approach that we take here um, in our movement for truth, freedom and health, and if people wanna know more about that, that there's a banner running down there, truthfreedomhealth.com, is we teach people the science of systems. And in this discussion, you're gonna realize why important system science is necessary if we're serious about looking at the world and understanding what's going on. I would say, um, most people have no idea what's going on in France. They just see people burning buildings down or uh, hear, heard the story about some kid getting shot and the cops shooting him and then people getting angry. And that's pretty much it. Um, but it's very, very important to look at events that take place and recognize, as I did in the Swarm video uh, recently, that things are interconnected. Nothing takes place in isolation. And sometimes you have to unwind the movie to see how this started so you can actually project it into the past. So James, how are you? James, I'm doing, I'm doing fine, Dr. Shiva, thank you. James, what time is it there? Now it's about nine o'clock, 9.02. Yeah, sorry, James. I, I had thought we we're gonna start at three and I was told it was at two, but it's good to have you. Um, but uh, tomorrow is July 4th here in Massachusetts. And James, if you can just take less than 30 seconds, one minute, just give people your background. You know, you grew up in Bronx and you live there, you have a whole family there. Go ahead, James. Yes, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I went into the Air Force at an early age of uh, about 19, and uh, I became an aircraft mechanic and uh, working on uh, weapon systems. An aircraft is a weapon, this is platform, it's a system. And this is where we were called systems engineers, uh, aircraft systems engineers. And uh, I was stationed out in Asia. I lived in Thailand. I've lived in Singapore. I've lived in Hong Kong and Malaysia. So I've been in Southeast Asia. I went to Asia and uh, it was there that I, I became very familiar with the Asian people. The people looked at, I, we looked at the people and said, wow, they look funny. And they were looking at me saying, wow, you look funny, you know? But I, I learned them and I, I learned the, the, the language and I just learned the culture and I learned to respect them. And uh, I understood that uh, what Dr. Shiva has been teaching, system science, uh, it's a way of life. And uh, the Asians do live this way of life. Yeah, one of the books we have, Jim, is, uh, James, is called Your System, Your Life. This is not to, you don't have to buy any of my books. By the way, you when you become a Truth From Health Warrior, you get all of this. But I'm very proud of this book called System and Revolution. And the reason I want to bring this up is that when we say system science, it was starting around in the 1900s in the world that system science became a field of research. 
um, and Endeavor. And um, across my four degrees at MIT and James, the training you got, um, it took me many, many years. I used to teach system science to really understand how to teach system science, but more importantly, the field. And then um, I interconnected the principle of system science to what we call ancient systems of medicine and realized that the systems are actually the same and we built a curriculum. Um, James is a truth for the health warrior scholar. He's in our leadership program in Europe, but we train anyone. You don't have to have any background as, as long as you're keen and willing and want to apply yourself, whether you're a, a hairdresser, whether you're car mechanic, whether you're a PhD, um, I'm committed to teaching people system science because system science is what allows us to go beyond left and right, look through the chaos, find out what the real problem is, and what the real solution is. So when we look at France today, um, James, I thought the way we could proceed is, um, I was gonna give a little bit of overview about how the political system in the United States works, how decision-making works, and because we're, we're going to end with that, because I'm, I'm sort of going to give the punchline away what the solution is. Um, and then I want to unwind to starting with sort of the apparent thing that recently occurred in France with the 17 year old boy being shot. And then if you could sort of just give us, you know, I'm sure people are interested in knowing what's going on, as we talked about in Marseille, Lyon, right, Grenoble, uh, where all the riots are taking place. What's the situation now? If we take about 10 minutes on that. And then I thought we would then start ap applying systems principles to dig through this and understand the big interconnected issues, right? The poverty, uh, the, the uh, immigration issue, um, the pension systems, um, the many, many uh, wage issues, uh, the declining population in France and interconnected all these because it's not any one thing, it's a combination of things. So James, maybe you can just uh, take a couple of minutes here and just say, to people who don't know, assume no one, assume people have been not watching TV or anything. Um, mm -hmm. Like what happened in the last uh, five days, how this occurred and what's going on now before we get into the analysis, James, just if you could just give us sort of the visceral facts. Well, I'm sure that you've heard about uh, uh, the violence that is going on here, but uh, let's talk about uh, what triggered it. And uh, then we can understand uh, uh, the hatred, uh, the, uh, disenchantment with the authorities that is that is going on here. A young man was stopped in a car and uh, the police ordered him to get out of the car, to exit the car and uh, to turn off the motor. Instead of doing that, he raced the motor up, he began to move the car forward and then he geared the car to go forward and the policeman was standing just next to his window and he shot him and uh, unfortunately the man died. Uh, this, the policeman was held uh, uh, by his superiors, and uh, I think at present he's in, incarcerated or he's being detained. But uh, this man was uh, known by the police to have uh, done, uh, 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 not to have known to not be not non-compliant in the past, and so the police understood and. Uh, this has caused his death. And from that time, uh, in the area where he was shot, which was a suburb of Paris, it caused uh, the people there began to just get angry with the police when they understood that the man was dead. And they began to just uh, riot uh, uh, and, and set fires to, to cars, to, 
to garbage cans. They just began to riot, and that went on all night. That was uh, last Tuesday. That went all, all night into Wednesday, and Wednesday they continued to, to riot into Thursday. It spread throughout France. France, uh, uh, the, the major areas of France in the south and the center and in the north of France, they began to riot there also. It's, uh, uh, it's you know, the electronic age and the social media has reduced the, the, the world to just uh, a global village. And uh, in this global village, they were able to contact and to reach out to their friends that they had in this city and that city and the other cities and to give them information as to what happened. And there was a journalist that filmed this entire incident. And so they understood that the policeman was there and uh, with his hand head in the car and his colleague mentioned to him, which was on the tape, shoot him. And this is what the policeman did. And it has caused uh, France to become just the, the unrest that is going on here. It, it's just just terrible. Uh, in my city, I live in Strasbourg. Now, 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 James, one second. So that incident occurred right outside of France. And I think people- Outside, just, outside of Paris, yes. Outside of Paris. So people need to understand that you have the cities, right, where only wealthy people can afford to live there. And outside of the cities, you have these housing complexes, right? Yes. Like yes. you would call affordable housing or low-cost housing in the United States. Social housing, yes. Right. And um, and there, I forget the term, Benilieu. How do you say that? Benilieu. Benilieu. So there are, these, ben yeah, there are these housing complexes. And so this incident didn't occur in Paris. It occurred in those housing complexes outside of Paris, right? Yes. And when the incident occurred, um, I think you made the point earlier because of social media, had this incident occurred in 1980, like Rodney King in the United States, pe people would have been riots only in Paris. But because of social media, people then saw it in other parts of France. So outside Marseille, those housing complexes went. Yes, in the Banlieue and each of those cities, they all have banlieues around them, Marseille, right. <laughs> yes. And these banlieues again are, you have the central city and then you have outside of them, you have these housing complexes, which are pretty pretty much filled with very poor, indigent, uh, unemployed people, um, uh, people of, uh, they're French citizens, but typically of ethnic origin, right? From North low Africa. In, let me say low income. This is second or third generation immigrants. Second or third. So they came from Tunisia, yes. Algeria, et cetera. But yes. they're French residents. They're French. Um, French uh, residents who live in these Benlus. So, But I think the point is when that incident took place, it wasn't just contained into Paris. I think you were saying that people came into Paris, right? The, they came the, into Paris from the Benlou uh, around Paris. Yes. And then... And they were, and then, but it also split. So, which were the cities again, uh, James? Just to let people know, it was Marseille. Uh, here in Strasbourg, they had uh, uh, some Lyon, uh, Grenoble, and uh, Paris. Paris, right? Three so Grenoble, Grenoble is more on the west, right? Grenoble is in the Alps. I'm sorry, in the Alps. Uh, Marseille is in the south. Lyon is sort of central east, right? Paris is north in the northern northeast in some ways. Bordeaux. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it hit everywhere, right? 
Yes. What is the situation now, James? Is is it calming down? Because we were told the Guardian said that only 3,000 people were arrested, but you're saying it's a lot more than that. Or 3,000. Well, we, we can't say. We can only see what the media is reporting. But at the present, it seems to be calming down, especially here in Paris, uh, here in Strasbourg, and in the other areas. But I think that the media has begun to put a blackout on what is happening now. Yeah. Okay, so that's what took place. Now, this young boy who was shot, you said that he had a history of violence, right? According to the police, they or knew him. History of being arrested, and, 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 and that's just starting to emerge, right? I've seen some reports of that. Non, he, was, he was a non-compliant individual. Non-compliant individual, okay, right. So James, so that's what occurred now, right? about uh, uh, these kinds of racial incidents erupting, they occur from time to time, but nothing has occurred of this magnitude, right? No, that is spread through the whole country. Right, and why do you think this is different, James, than, because there have been um, a lot of the ethnic minority or majority, however, reports that uh, the police harass them, they get humiliated, um, there's people being shot, so um, someone just said he was a gang member, right? Ellen Bloom Demaris, right? Um, but what what made this situation different, James? Well, in these bandigiri, you know, they go to the same school and uh, they come home and they don't have uh, the the benefit of having the parents there. Perhaps the parents are working. They, they must work. And uh, then they're able to congregate together. But you have uh, low wages also. And then you have just the standard of living that in, in these areas, the fuel prices and just uh, uh, just frustration among these among these individuals. But they're able to fr vent that frustration in other ways. You know, they have the football games and things like this through sports. And this just now happened to replace all of the sports and all of the other extracurricular activities. And they have just focused on being destructive and uh, confronting the police, who yeah. they consider to be their enemy. So James, let's sort of look at, let's, so basically, so at this point in history, you know, June, late June, 2023, early July, 2023, we're witnessing sort of five days in the news of this violence, right? So if you were just to look at this one slice in the long, it's like basically, imagine a two and a half hour movie and I, I only come in and I watch the last 10 seconds of it. Um, and you're trying to, you would never really have an idea what took place. So we're watching this last 10 seconds and we're looking at one aspect of this with this youth, right? Predominantly 17, 18, it's, it's um, I think they said 50% of the people arrested were average age was 17, if I remember, okay? So that's youth, okay? So you have this set of youth who you can put all sorts of adjectives to desperate, disadvantaged, um, feeling that they're that they have no future, hopeless, all those kind of things, right? But if we take that problem of the youth, I would say from a systems piece, that's one big piece, and I think we want to talk about that. The other big systems component here—that's only one component. If we were to just say it's the youth, it's a bunch of immigrant youth who are pissed off and they have no values and they're bad people, I think that would just not capture the whole story. 
There's another piece here, which is a fact that less than, God, two months ago, you had these huge protests that were taking place in France with people um, probably forgot, given how people's memories are becoming, is massive, massive demonstrations um, because of Macron, who is a former investment banker, he would he came into office um, on the pledge that he was going to reform the uh, the pension system, and in 2019 he was going to implement the pension system changes. COVID occurred and he wasn't able to, and a couple of months ago he began implementing that. So that was the other thing, the pension system. The third piece of this, I think, also should be not uh, ignored, is the fact that if we forget right before. COVID in 2019, people, again, forget this, there were massive millions and millions of people protesting on the street in France with the yellow vest protests. 2018 to 2019. Yes, because of the fuel prices escalating and the cost. So 2018, 2019, you had these massive yellow vest protests. Then you had recently, about two months ago, the pension system protests, and now you have the youth protests, right? Which has led to this. And then the fourth piece of it, James, I think we, we should also talk about a systemic piece here, is the fact that the infrastructure in France, in these Benlous, there's the poverty rates. In um, uh, many of these Benlous, the poverty rate is 50%. 50% of the people are below the poverty line. It's not 25%, we're talking about 50%. And I have an example that I'd walk you through, walk, like to walk people through. But... When you look at this, the people, I, I, if you can speak to it, how have the French government, you know, they had the fuel prices in in uh, France in uh, 20, uh, 2018, 2019, right? The yellow vest, then the pension stuff, poverty in many of these Ben Lus are over, you know, 50%. And then the recent, what is the political dynamic there what is their solution to all of this, James? Well, there is, they, they don't have a solution. Now the, the president, he does not have a majority in the assembly anymore. And you have the extreme left, which is saying one thing, and the extreme right is saying another. Uh, the extreme left, they want immigration. They want uh, more uh, uh, education. Uh, they want to spend more money on, on the people. You could say this is what they say, but and on the right they want to stop Im immigration. They want order and they want police, uh, uh, more policemen on the streets. And uh, this is the the conflict there. So between the two of them, there's no solution being offered. You just have so, so. So James, let me repeat that. So the right wing is saying close the borders, don't let the immigrants in. Sounds a lot like the U.S., right? That's right. The, the immigrants are the problem. These foreigners, these African uh, Islamic foreigners, they don't like to drink wine. They're the problem, right? <laughs> um, that's one. And then the left says we need to have them come in um, because what? For labor? We have, we have to help the refugees. I think when you had you saw the refugee crisis, yes. yep. the refugees came in and they were just inviting them in and uh, they have, we have to help the refugees. Now in Eastern uh, uh, Europe, you have the refugees are coming also. And so they're coming in and the left is saying, we welcome all of these refugees to come in. 
Right. And that's and, very similar to the United States, right? You yeah. have Biden saying, let's open the borders. We need where we should accept these people. And the right wing says these foreigners are the problem. Let's shut down the borders. Am I right? That's right. And that's pretty much it. Right. And by the way, that solution of the left and right. How many years has that been going on in France, James? Oh, <laughs> it's been going on for, for quite a long time. How, how long have you been there, James? And you've heard that same sort of mantra. The left saying this and the right saying this. Since uh, since uh, uh, the President Sarkozy, during his time. So that's what, 1990? Yeah, 1990? Yeah. yeah. That was during President Sarkozy where he was, an ex you know, he was a right wing, uh, uh, the extreme right wing. And he wanted more policemen. He wanted more order. And uh, he wanted to just... To begin to even uh, uh, send some of these send some of the immigrants back to their country, he wanted to do right. that, and this is what he was promoting. So uh, when Macron came along, well, he was saying something different. He was a middle middle of the roader, you know, where he wasn't. He was more on the on the left than on the right. But he was. There was also another right. president, right, between Sarkozy and Macron. What was the guy's Roland. name? Ro huh? Roland. Hold no, on. but there's another guy with the glasses. Huh? Hollande. Hollande. Oh, Hollande. Yeah, yes, yes. Hollande. I remember I met him the last time I was in France. Uh -huh. he, sh he showed up to a very small event I was at with his girlfriend or his mistress, which is quite interesting. <laughs> but uh, what was he considered, left or right? He was left. He was left. He was okay. Left. He was a socialist. Right. So basically, Sarkozy, so you have the far, you have a right wing guy saying police, we need to law and order. And then you have the other extreme uh, or the other left solution, which is like, we need to help the immigrants, right? We need, we need help. And that's pretty much it, right? And they play each side. That's, that's, that's what they do. They're just playing it off. And uh, yeah, where they are now, there is, they, 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 they don't have a solution. Right. All right. So I, I think. I think that's helping our audience understand. So you have this eruption take place, the fundamental issues of the pension system, which we should talk about, the fact that fuel prices, um, and then some of the problems are not even being discussed openly and publicly. One of the problems that I think that's not discussed is the fact that um, the fertility rates are dropping in Paris or in France, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the pension system. When do people retire typically, James? Now they they were retiring at 62. And, and uh, that was the issue uh, last, last month, uh, a couple of months ago, where Macron, he managed to uh, uh, sort of like dictate that he's going to raise it to 64 without getting the, the, the votes in the assembly. And so they just passed it and they raised it to 64. The courts all agreed with him. So now the pension rate, uh, the retirement age is 64. And uh, this has caused some, it caused a lot of people uh, some distress here. Yeah. And I, I, so, so when we look at the pension system, so people were retiring when James at 60, I thought, right? 62. Oh, 62. Okay. So yes. I have some data that I wanted to share with people here, James. Um, let me share this data here. This data shows, I think it's very relevant to understand the systems dynamic here. And the system dynamic here that I want to share here is that, um, so if you 
are retiring at, let's say, let's go back to 62, right? Um, that means when you retire, France has one of the best, I think, um, relatively to the developed nations, a very, very, um, I don't want to say generous, but they really support the elderly people because they didn't want people to be in poverty, right? So they have yeah. a pretty good um, social program. But they've, then, paid, they've paid into this for the, right. their entire working life. Right, so they paid into it for their entire working life. Yes. Um, so if you look at this graph I wanted to share, I want people to look at the bottom left graph. What this bottom, can you see it, James? Yes, I can see it. So this bottom left graph, this, the left side is women and the right side is men. Forget the top graph, we'll come back to that. But if someone were to retire, so by the way, women, um, the life expectancy of a woman in France is 87, okay? The life expectancy of a man is um, 81. So if you retire at 60, let's say, what'd you say, 64? 60, no, 64. Yeah, Previously, yeah. 62. so if you retire at 64, this was when someone was retiring at 60. It's a couple, four, a couple of years old. But if you were, so if you adjust, if you're retiring at 64 and you're living to 87, that means you can see right here, um, you basically um, have to support that person for another uh, 87 uh, minus 20, um, minus 27, minus um, 60, my, sorry, 87 minus 64 is what? 23 years. Okay. So a woman would need to be supported for 23 years and a man would need to be supported for 20, um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, this is 80, 19 80, years. Yeah, yeah, 19 years, right? 19. So man needs to be supported for 19 years, a woman for 23 years, okay? So that's an important number to remember. So if you are a woman, um, this the system, um, and you retire, and you've paid into it, um, there must be enough money to support a woman until she's 87, right? That means if she retires when she's 64, for the next 23 years, there better be enough money in the French kitty, right? Treasury to support her. And if you're a man for 19 years, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Now, as I understand, James, is when Macron came into office, if I'm right, one of his biggest reforms was that he was going to reform the pension system. Yes. Um, and um, you could sp probably, I mean, speak to it more, but... Um, can you tell us a little bit about that when you came? I mean, I have some data, but it'd be good to hear from you. Like what, um, when Macron came into office, that was a big piece of his thing, right? Yeah, he didn't He didn't mention the retirement age at that time. He just yeah. wanted to uh, uh, change the amount that each everybody paid in. That's what That was the reform. Yeah, he and, wanted to increase uh, to it, right? Reform, reform the, 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 the health uh benefits that everyone was getting you had to pay more or you had to make uh make it over what you were receiving from your your from from the government you had to pay more those were the reforms that he was looking at right and the reason he was looking at that james is as i understand is right now if you work um let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year um seven percent of your income uh gets taken out right uh, every year to go go into your pension fund, which would be like seven thousand, and then the employer contributes another ten percent, which would be ten ten thousand. But overall, so seventeen percent. But overall of the gross wages, they also take out some other stuff. But it comes to twenty four percent, one yeah. of the highest in the in the developed nations. A twenty four percent 
of your gross wages are taken out and they get put in. That's right. Right. Now, what I understand what was happening was that um, the, the way that the pension system is done, it's like a Ponzi scheme, meaning it's dependent on a Ponzi scheme works on always getting new people coming in. So what happens is you have, let's say you have 100 people retired today. The 100, uh, you have to have at least 100 people who are working because there's no money really saved. It's the new people are funding the people, the, the, the people already paid into it, right? So if at time T equals zero, if 100 people were the first employers, sorry, employees working, they're paying money into the French system. They retired 64, right? Mm -hmm. But because a lot of that pension money was used for other things, there's really no money. The only way that those people can get their money, that person who retired 64, is from the 24% they're taking from people who are working. Yes. So, so it's, a, it's a Ponzi scheme because you have to have enough inflow of people coming in to support the people who've retired. And, and this is continuous. What's that? It must be continuous. And it has to be continuous. So what's been happening is a number of people who are joining the workforce, new people is declining, even though there's a big body of people sitting here who need to collect their pensions. So you don't have enough new people being employed, making productive wages, right? You have to make a certain amount of wages. So as I understand, Macron, who was a finance guy, who's an investment banker, was going to come up with a solution to do this, which is, I think what you just said, they were just going to increase uh, what people pay in to 24% from 17%. Okay. Um, the other statistic I wanted to share with you, James, is that when you look at this, this goes to the systemic nature of that problem before all this stuff occurred, was that um, in order to have enough people in the labor force, a family must at least have two kids because you need population to fuel your labor force. And now it's one, 1. 1.8, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I found the data here. Let me share it with people. This is what I have here. If we go here, it's a top graph. So starting around 2014, right here, if you can see this black line, it was flat. People are having two kids. And right around 2014, it's dropped, okay? So about 1.9 kids, okay? And this is where it's sort of headed. So you're not having enough, and it can either go this way. It could go this way, unlikely, right? If it's possible. This, this is where it needs to go to get back to parity, right here the big dash line, but it's actually headed in this direction right now. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the projections are, it could go in this direction, potentially here. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So this is where we're at. So you have a pension system, which is reliant on um, new people coming into the workforce, right? But you have a decline in fertility rates. And you also have another phenomenon that many, many people, um, women, for example, um, are not uh, uh, are also working. Right. Yeah. So if you look here in all the countries, the elderly population is increasing. Right. So people are living much longer. Uh, France included. Right. Japan the most. Right. But on the other hand, um, the percentage of one person households is also increasing. 
And the reason I wanted to share this, uh, so if you see France right here, it's right here. So there's nearly 40, 38% of one person households. What that means is um, single mother, uh, single women, oh, right? So, so you're not producing enough kids. So basically you're not producing enough children, reduction in fertility rates, and you don't have enough people who can fund this um, pension system. And that, by the way, is occurring pretty much in every developed nation, United States included. The third thing, James, if you can sort of go back. So we've talked about the kids being disenfranchised, feeling whatever those things, what's occurring recently. You have the pension system. In 2017 and 18, James, you were right there with the yellow vest protests. Yes. That was a very different input, right? A very different, what, what caused that, James? It was a different uh, uh, group of people that were protesting. These were middle-aged working people that were protesting at that time. And they were protesting against the higher uh, fuel prices. They had to commute to work and here. And uh, this is what they were, they were protesting about, these yellow vests. They wanted to stabilize the fuel prices and to try to lower the fuel prices because much of the fuel prices, a large percentage of, of the fuel prices was tax. And they were trying to get the tax off of the fuel. And I think they managed to get some of it off. They did uh, 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 subsidize uh, some of that. But uh, this, the, the, the LFS, they, they did achieve what they were after a little bit, but then they were interrupted because of the, the, the COVID. Yes. So, and I think around that time, you know, I did a couple of videos on this, I think back in 2020, right before the pandemic hit, one thing people need to understand, there were protests like, the yellow vest protests against corruption and against inflation all over the world. There was actually 27 major protests going on. So pand the pandemic was very, very valuable to the elites because all those protests just went away. They're able to shut them down overnight. But so France had, again, the reason I wanted you to share that, James, those you, you made an interesting point. There were middle-aged people, right? Yes. Middle-aged working-class people. Working-class people, yes. Right. When we looked at the pension, a little bit older people, right? Yes. Um, because they're looking at their pensions having to work longer. And now we're looking at young people. So we're looking what recently occurred with this kid being shot, right? 50% of the people arrested were 17 year olds. That's so you right. really have three segments of the French population with varying interests who feel disenfranchised. The people who are coming of age to retire we're concerned that they, they're going to have to work longer, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't want to do that. When in fact, that may be the only solution to this, right? Um, people have talked about that. I mean, solution, short-term solution, and we'll get to that. Either that or their benefits, uh, their retirement benefits are reduced. Right, right. So either they work two more years, so they get to fill in the pump with new working people coming in. So when they retire, there's money in the kitty or they retire now and they get less benefits. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of, let's say you're 60 year olds over here who are protesting, 50 to 60 year olds, right? You have your middle class people protesting in 2017, 18, and now you have these young people, right? So three sort of groups of people, mm -hmm. three systems. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the entire population. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. That's, the whole population. That's right. And and the reason I wanted to let people understand that was 
every time these protests come in France, all we see in the world in the United States, oh my God, these people are complaining about something. But no one gets into the depth of this. But what we just covered in this last two minutes right here, James, is there's three segments which represent the entire population yes. that go down to the systemic issue. You have massive poverty, um, the kids being disenfranchised, young people, right? And, and then their interactions with the police and all that, right? We can get into the, and the left and the right having their views on it. The other issues with the pension system and with the high cost. I want to get your thoughts on this. There was a um, interesting observations in a number of the newspapers. And what they were saying, James, was that if you look again in a, in a, in a city, right? And then you look outside, what'd you call them? The Banalu? Banalu, which is the housing projects. And they took an example of a housing project in, in the northeastern part of France. And they were saying in this housing project, 50% of the people were uh, in poverty, okay? 50%, all right? And they went on to describe um, this systemic issue that when you're a young person in those, that uh, in fact, the article uh, went to talk about the fact that France, above all the other developed nations, has the worst segregation in education at the younger age group. What they said was that when a kid comes, you know, in the United States, I think when you're around 14, um, you get to go to, you're in what's called middle school, and then yeah. you get to go to the high school, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. In some places at the middle school, when you're 14, you decide whether you're gonna go on the college track, you know, like to become an engineer, doctor, or you're only gonna go on the Votech track. In, in France, apparently, um, in many of the uh, Banlous, a huge percentage of people, when they're 14, are forced to go down, not even the Votec, but to do these very menial, low productive labor jobs, which really don't produce any taxable income, which support the pension system. Well, really, they're, they're really not forced, but they're making this choice because it seems that it might be an easier path for them. Well, they're yeah. getting the families are getting subsidies from the government, and so they want to continue to go to school to receive this support. Yeah, and, well, and the academic results also. They they don't have to worry about the academic results. They can just. Yeah, well, this interesting analysis done by this one reporter, um, he said that many of these people feel that they're actually being pushed, and I think more research. That's why I wanted your perspective. They're being pushed into these manual labor, low pay jobs, instead of the lices, is that what they call them? Lices that, that, uh -huh. that, that, that prepare the pupils for university. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, again, this could be biased. They're saying that the, the, the word is that people feel humiliated um, because um, it's almost like it's a de facto that they have to go into these jobs. It's like, it's just sort of, the momentum is there. And it's, it's not to say people don't go to university, but it's a very, very small percentage. So you, well, have, you know, they have to have the academic uh, requirements in order to, to, to proceed on to the university. And as we mentioned before, you know, they're all going to living in the same neighborhood. They're going to the same uh, uh, school and they don't have that uh, uh, social support around them right. to, 
help them to to educate them to bring up the academic uh, uh, performance. I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, when I went to school at MIT, which is one of the best schools in the world, right? We had, and there was 1981. Uh, I mean, there's this huge affirmative action thing in the U.S., but a very small percentage of kids were from the inner cities. A good friend of mine, Bruce. Uh, who became my CTO for one of my companies. Bruce came from the inner cities of crime-ridden Louisiana, okay, to MIT, uh, New Orleans. And the only reason Bruce was able to do that was he had one mentor, his mother, who really loved him. His father left them when they were young. And there's been a lot of research done that shows that um, kids who grow up in crime-ridden, gun-ridden neighborhoods, um, uh, they they did interesting analysis. Who gets to graduate? Okay, like do they even make it to college, or graduate even high school? And one of the things they found very very interesting was no matter how bad the situation was in an inner city, the crime, that if there was one person that a child had who really cared about them, it could have been an extended family member, it could have been a single mom or single dad, it could have been a teacher. Um, yeah. No matter if there were even guns, shots flying around, that kid was able to make it out of that situation. That was a consistent theme, that there was some support vehicle that no matter how bad it was, the kid made it out. I mean, my father grew up in Wartorn, Burma, right? He found one teacher who taught him under a mango tree and he ended up being an engineer. This is back in the 40s, James. So, but when, when, so kids want to succeed in some sense. They want to break out. But they need at least what this research said was one support system. So my friend Bruce had his mother and he was able to make it to MIT, right? But when I look at these Banaloos, right? And the, and the structure, I'm wondering if the percentage of a kid even having one mentor, right? The probability is going down and down and down. Exactly. So, and the, and the reason I wanted to bring that up is if you look at that system of the young people, because you want to feel, because when you went in order to get a pension system to have, you need taxable income. But if someone's just cleaning toilets, right, or they're cleaning, you don't, you're not producing enough wage. It's not a that you can tax and you can put into this. So you're producing all these very low wage jobs. That's not feeding into the superstructure that a society needs. So you have the infrastructure in many of these Benelus, which are. Um, the infrastructure includes mentoring, the social structure, and this is occurring in the United States too. You know, only 20 out of all the, out of all the tax revenue the United States gets, that's only coming from 20% of the people. Do you know that? So 80% of the people in the United States are not contributing to the 5 trillion in budget. So it's a very small subset of people who you can tax contributing because you're not producing high wage jobs anymore so this is a fundamental issue that the elites have created they've created a very systemically screwed up situation that you're not creating valuable high productive jobs right so you, so you're creating jobs which aren't productive so that's why when you look at that one ball there if i were to do a diagram on this you're creating a bunch of young people at the age of 14 they're going into these low skilled manual labor jobs they feel humiliated as this analysis in the guardian said right and so you're creating these conditions of a quote-unquote waging inequality of discrimination right 
in those housing projects. And I think to your wife's point, as we discussed earlier, there's no mentoring. So no one's instilling value systems in people. So you have a double-edged thing that's going low wage jobs, unproductive jobs, which you can't tax. And you have that. So that's one piece. Now you connect that phenomenon to the pension system. And I think the pension system, people who want to retire can't retire because there's not enough money. And the pension system, not only in France, but in many countries was started because when people were retiring, they were, most of the poverty people were elderly people because they didn't have any money. And the reason that occurred was people didn't have the behavior to save. So the government came in and said, okay, we're going to save for you. So they passed these laws saying, we're going to take 17, 18% of your wages and put it into a government fund and we'll, you know, we'll save it for you. So, and then the other piece, James, we talked about with the war, with Ukraine, prices are escalating, inflate, inflation is going up. So you have these very three interesting phenomenon taking place. These, so from a systems problem, James, what do you think? We're looking at the middle class, high prices, fuel prices. You're looking at the elderly who are leaving France. Um, I mean, not leaving France, but um, they're concerned because they can't, um, retire at an age that they wanted to because there's not enough money in the pension and young people feeling hopeless in many ways. Mm-hmm. What do you think the solution here is, James, in France? I think, I think you know, we've, we've got to look at uh, the, the conversion, how to convert these young people into thinkers, how to make, give them hope and to, to allow them to think. And if we can convert them into, to make them thinkers, I don't know if you bring sociologists. I don't know what has to happen there. Or they have to be given something to, to motivate them rather than what they're doing now. And uh, that they don't pass this habit on to the next generation because you have a lot of single mothers that are coming out of this venue. Uh, uh, and these uh, uh, young men, they are absent fathers. So we've got to find a way that we're able to convert them into productive people. And this is what you need to, it's supposed to be the politicians to do this, but the politicians are only concerned about themselves and making the money for themselves. These are the elites. They might come from this, from, from a different strata of the, uh, of the society to become politicians, but once they're there, they are influenced or they get another agenda are they getting a, another offer from someplace? And then they forget about the people and who put them there and they go on. Maybe they'll do a little bit here, a little bit there, uh, plant a tree or, or, you know, in the schoolyard. And just to leave the people, to leave these young people going among themselves and going on to do what they're going to do. But if, to continue like this, and if these three uh, uh, parts of the population, if they find a unifying point, this, you have revolution. Yeah, so James, let's, you made an interesting point about these politicians and that they're selfish. What, in, in the United States, most politicians, the day they get into office, they're starting to campaign for their reelection. The day they get in. In the, in the United States, the House of Representatives, two years, and the Senate is six years. 
you said in in uh, France it's five years. Five years. But is it the same thing? Like these are career politicians. They get in, and most of them stay in career politics. Some of them, but most of them are there for five years, and uh, they're not reelected, and then they move on. But a lot of them are sometimes career politicians, but but not for many. Not like it, it's not like the United States where they are. Uh, there you have the Mitch McConnells and these people. They're not but, like. But yeah, Sarkozy was in there for a while, right? I mean, they're always there, aren't they? Aren't yeah, Sarkozy, he was here for five years, I think, and he right, wasn't. But, he, he didn't get reelected. I see. The reason I bring that up is, um, if you think about it, when you run for office, um, you primarily after you get elected, your job is to, you know, if you're the president or a senator. Your, your job, most of your work, the bills that you vote on is how money gets allocated. And money really can get allocated into different buckets, right? Sort of infrastructure long term, that's one bucket. The other um, stuff is, you know, your short term needs, right? Equity. Oh, my God, these people, uh, we need to help these people. They don't have money right now. Um, let's help them, right? And so on. But the if you look at when someone gets elected many of them get elected on the promise of always handling a short-term problem a politician is never going to get elected saying okay um i have or after they get into office if he says look i have to do the right thing we have to put in public infrastructure right we have to spend money here because you're not going to see the fruits of that in two years or three years it takes about 10 years to see the fruits of public infrastructure the return on investment. So 95% of the politicians will never do the right thing because many of them are getting into office either to get reelected or strike their deals, James. And I think this is what occurs in France because they, they strike their deals and they make a lot of money while in office and they have to help their friends or outside. So their motivation is not to do the right thing. So if you look at France, what is the right thing? And I don't think it's that different than the United States is you have to invest in infrastructure and that infrastructure, you know, if you go back to the young kids is that I just wanted to share this with people. This is a phenomenon that comes out of the uh, World Health Organization that we have. A, by the way, I just want to I didn't take a quick break here, but if people go to truthfreedomhealth.com, the solution for the world is really truth, freedom, health. The only way out of this is not going to come from politicians. It's we have to get educated or be enslaved and I'll play a video on this. But what I want people to recommend people do is if you, there's a very interesting graph here, James, you remember this graph, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's, everyone's got all these devices, everyone's on TikTok, but look at this number here, James, in spite of all this information, access to like these kids who are using TikTok to organize their uh, protests or whatever they were doing, right? Nearly 650 million people in the world are anxious and depressed. 51% of children, James, feel hopeless. 40% want to overthrow their governments. Two and a half billion people, 500 million children are obese. 50% don't even know what to eat or avoid. And 95% of health problems with one third having five ailments. So in the midst of all this so-called information, right? We have 51% of children feel hope hopeless. And I think we really need to look at this. Why is it that this is taking place. And, and, and I would argue, James, is because people have essentially lost faith or learned helplessness in their governments. 
Because these people, when you were sharing with me, James, what is their solution right now to solve these problems? You, you, you made an interesting point. It's what's, I think you said, send in more police or do something else. It was to send in more police or to, uh, I lost the train. But anyway, we, they have to look at the output. What output do they want? That is the point there. What is the output that they want? The politicians, uh, the people, what is the output that they want? They don't know what the output is that they want. They don't know what they want. Do they have to be told what they want? But James, I think you said I think you said that what's his name Macron's currently his solution is deploy forty thousand police, right? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty much what his solution is. And then he went to well while France was burning, he was over partying at Elton John's concert, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. My wife told me, oh, maybe he needs a rest. You know, he's yeah. been working hard these past days, but France was burning, and he went to see Elton John. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying he does not that to me, that tells me he has no solution. It's to deploy police and relax because he's probably has no solution or his solution um, doesn't lead. It's, it's a systemic solution. Probably won't get him elected or his party elected again. Well, I think also he his solution. He, he doesn't have a solution, you know, because I don't know what the output it is. And he's concentrating so much on this Ukraine affair and the Russians trying to defeat the Russians. This is where the focus is. And the resources are being used to go out there and uh, uh, to, to, to try to defeat Russia. So Neil Devine says, my father and my mother were my police. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Right. That's, correct. That, that's, a, that's a pretty wise statement, right? In, in Brooklyn, that's the way it was. Right. And even the neighbors were the police. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, James, you know, as we talk about in our movement, the only way out of this is to recognize that the governments and the entire process of getting elected is so corrupt. To get elected in the United States for president, you need a billion dollars. That's how much they're raising. Not to, right? To get elected as a senator, you have to raise a hundred million dollars. Okay. And if both parties are doing that means working people are giving, and by the way, this is coming from everyday people who are giving five, 10, $20, donations. So politicians in the US have to raise an incredible amount of money or own the press or be very close to the press, right? Entertainers, you know, one degree of freedom away from the press. So you, the amount of money that goes to get elected is so exorbitant that the people who get elected are not really anyone who knows anything about governance or leadership, but they're essentially front men, right? Mm -hmm. um, for somebody else, right? Yeah. They're, by the time they're elected, they're basically an actor or they're a puppet for the person who gave them money. And I think the only way out of this, James, and we were talking about this. So if you look at France as a model, the prices are going up. Infrastructure doesn't exist there for the young kids, right? So they feel hopeless. 17-year-old kid, right, is out there burning down Apple stores and McDonald's, right? And then you have the fact that um, uh, fertility rates are going down. You're not producing enough. The key thing is we're not producing skilled labor jobs where the person coming can make a decent wage that is going to fuel the pension systems. So this is a very systemic problem. I see the only way out of this, James, 
is that people need to get educated and recognize that the politicians are not going to solve anything and that at the working level, the parents in these communities need to recognize that they have to start, if it's not a parent, if it's an adult, need to teach young people how to essentially start gaining skills. I mean, James, you've seen in our own movement as young people come in, um, and I'm sure most young people graduating in US school systems with huge loans that they went and thought they got a college degree have no skills. So people are graduating college with no skills and they think they know it all. So you have a, I mean, that, that may be a systemic issue, but the reality is you're producing people who have no skills anymore. And if you don't have skills, what are you going to contribute to? So you're not creating productive um, uh, productivity. So productivity is actually starting to drop and you're not producing ultimately human assets who can be very vibrant and dynamic and produce. And I think this is where it really goes to James because those in power have created a system over the last 50 years that have degenerated the school systems, degenerated the, the family structure, right? Degenerated mentoring. And, and, that, and this is sort of the end state of it. I think this is where you come to. Yes, even here in France, I think the first generation uh, uh, immigrants that came uh, from from North Africa, uh, they were one. The man was working, and the lady was the woman was home with the children, raising the children. Right. That's what it was. That first generation that came, and maybe the second generation. But now this generation, now it's uh, both parents are working, and there's no authority, even in the schools. Uh, when I first came to to France. The, the, the teacher was the ultimate authority. When the teacher spoke, you did, you listened and you had to get it done. The, my, the children would come home and they would do this homework that they had and they were very concerned about that. They had to get it done because when they went back, the teacher was gonna be after them if they get, didn't get it done. Today, uh, they don't care about, the, the, teacher has, the teacher has no authority anymore. Well, I know in the United States, even when I used to teach at MIT, if I gave if I gave a kid who never showed up to class a D, I would get I would get reprimanded by the administration. You know, or the students started having their student surveys, and they would rate a professor bad if they gave him a bad grade. And the fact that they did not do the work um, that's one phenomenon. And also teachers, um, with their teachers unions, are afraid to reprimand kids now because of the backlash that they may suffer. I'm not saying you should go beat up kids or anything like that. You know, obviously that's not what we're talking about, but the, the, the notion of any type of authority, mentoring, all that is seems like to disappear, James, whether it's in the United States and all, or also France from what you're sharing. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I remember getting ready to go to school and if I didn't, I always did my homework on time. And I noticed my own nephew, um, when he started going to school, he seemed pretty lackadaisical about mm -hmm. finishing his home. I mean, there, it seemed like a very different generation. And um, so I think that is a fundamental phenomenon that's taken place when you remove power away at the edges of the teacher. 
the teacher should ultimately have significant responsibility to figure, and that's what it was pre-1970 in the United States. The teachers had a lot of authority. They would figure out what was the right curricula. Uh, in the United States, there was an organization called the Department of Education that got created around Jimmy Carter's era. You may remember this. And that Department of Education essentially top-down imposed how things should be. And it took away a lot of power from the teachers and from the parents. Now, parents don't ha have powers to discipline their kids and the teachers don't have any power. So you end up with, I think a kid was in a no man's land. Most of the th stuff I spend time on James, when I get young people is I have to reteach them how to think, how to take a calendar and organize their life, how to set schedules. All of this stuff is no longer being taught. It used to be taught. And I think it's all just, you know, some structure, all of that's gone. So I, I, um, I, I just want to take a quick break, James, um, and I to people out there, and we'll come right back and we'll wrap up. But many of you know, you see James's thing says, Truth, Freedom, and Health, France. James is one of the leaders in our movement in Europe. James is an engineering systems guy. I'm a, a system scientist. Many of you know, I did a recent video, James, that the sensors weren't able to completely choke. It got close to, I think, five to 10 million views, probably had 100 million views. It was mm -hmm. called a swarm. And I described in a 15 minute video, essentially how the elites are organized as a decentralized group and their goal is to push inputs of propaganda policies um, and fake heroes to essentially make sure the rest of us are disconnected. We don't come together, um, people are fat, dumb and happy and that we keep thinking the solutions are gonna come from them. And I think that's where we're at, James. The real solution is we have to invert this this situation there is no solution going to come from them it's not going to come from them so we keep thinking oh the prime minister is going to do something they're not going to do anything because they have their private planes they can jet away to their yachts right to wherever they need to go they don't care if things burn and that's what i think is really reflected in macron going to the elton john concert it's a mindset okay well that's over there i can still go and party over here. And I think that's where the world is becoming. It's become these two parallel worlds. And the elites know that they can always get away. And I wanna just share with people, and I wanna play a video for everyone. So when, you know, I've been looking at this problem, as you know, James, for a long, long time. And when we created our system, Truth, Freedom and Health, the goal was to really tell people in reverence to my great grandfather, Ultimately, the only way out of this is each individual getting educated. And in order to get educated, you have to get the right education. And the education is not what to think, but how to think. So I want everyone to go to truthfreedomhealth.com because it would be sort of remiss of us, James, just to talk about how the world sucks and say, there is no solution. We have a solution. It took me 50 years to create this system. Um, and we have about 360,000 students all over the world. You can read their stories of transformation. But the fundamental issue is this is a problem we're at. Information is not gonna solve the world's problems. The kids today, James, they have more information than you or I did, right? Oh um, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, with, with the click of a button, they could get everything. And the reality yeah. is what's going on is, this is what's really going on. Those in power, in spite of all the information, they feed people ignorance. I mean, look at what we just had to do, James. To the, I think before people saw our video today, they, they would probably just think it's a bunch of crazy immigrants uh, who are bad people, right? Yeah. Being covered, that's, there's a fact that there's the poverty in the inner cities 
There is the fact that these kids have no mentors, no families. There is a pension system that's failing in France. And there's a fact that you have inflation and growing food prices. But each station, the left will just present all oh, these are immigrants, bad immigrants, right? More martial law, more police. And the right will say, I mean, the left will say, let's let all the immigrants what? Um, let's let more immigrants in, right? We have to be a kinder, gentler nation. But what's happening is this ignorance is leading people into desperation, which, which are these kids, or division into left and right, right? So they'll say, okay, we had a left-wing guy, Macron. Let's bring in now a right-wing guy, right? Le this, Le is what this is what oh, these people What's that? This is what they, now they're turning towards um, this uh, uh, politician, Marie Le Pen. Marie Le Pen, yes. She's all the way on the right, and they're looking at her now, the population are looking at her, that uh, she could come in and she can, she's the solution now. Right, and I think that's what happens, James. The elites create the problem, and then they give a fake hero in the United States, they gave Obama for eight years, right? And 50, I just found out 52% of people voted for Trump voted for Obama. And then people went from Obama to Trump, right? He talked about locker up, da, 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 da. And now you have all these people. It was, it was quite, you know, all these white working class people being manipulated by Trump. And then another group of people being manipulated by Kennedy or Biden. But the problem is people keep looking to them for solving our problems, knowing that they're not one of us. And this is a fundamental thing we all have to overcome. So when we look at this graph here, um, you see that where we're literally at is people are either desperate, like these kids, left or right, or people get complacent. They say, well, I'm just going to go, I don't know, just go, you know, just go through the French countryside and I'm just going to chill out, right? And what we've continually taught people is that the people who are promoting presented as a leaders to solve this, you could probably put Macron here, right? Or Le Pen, but you have Trump. Essentially, they represent these people as though they're going to solve the problem for you. And when, in fact, these people are just entertainers. And that's why we recommend the only way out of this is we need knowledge where people, I think these young kids, James, we should actually go among them. And, you know, we give away our program to kids between the age of 13 through 18. We should educate them on the science of systems because that leads them to wisdom because you start seeing able to connect things like we just did between the poverty in the in the in the housing projects with the pension systems with the what with inflation and economics now people get wisdom and when you have people with wisdom and clarity young people say I can get active I can get innovative let me get organized and but people have to let go of the old way of thinking thinking someone else is going to solve their problem and that's what truth freedom and health is I want to play a quick video for people um, James, if that's okay. Okay. Um, and then we'll come back. James, if you can just think about as we're coming back, um, you know, in the context of this, um, any, some closing comments. But before we leave, um, everyone should know, you guys know that I'm running for president of the United States. And the reason I'm running with all um, directness is that even the presidency is corrupt. To think you're going to go drain the swamp is a lie. Oh, I'm going to go do this. It's all bullshit. The best thing a president can do is what James and I are doing right now to educate people on the systems issues. So you can rise up and mobilize what to call what I call the shatter of the swarm bottoms up, meaning not just to take guns or something and shoot people. That's not what I'm saying, but locally learn governance, locally learn what the issues are. But you need a systems perspective. So let me just play this video and I want everyone to listen to this because 
This will inspire you to understand that we have a solution. You don't have to keep running around. You, know, you don't have to go to the left or the right or vote for one of these fools. What you have to do is to recognize that the way out of this is we have to take a systems approach. Let me play this video for everyone, James, and we'll be right we back. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four year old kid studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There is a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We got to train people first with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is the not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is the not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms up movement. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at.
So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics and I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com. So people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. So um, James and I uh, participate every Thursdays at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in an open house. All of you are invited. There's no fees. There's no costs. And you can go to vashiva.com slash orientation. At 8 p.m., we do our town halls. And you can go uh, um, to shivaforpresident.com slash town hall. Um, so I want to encourage everyone that you know, we've spent a lot of time in summary here, James, we've sort of talked about from a systems perspective and you can apply this to the US. So there's a lot of stuff we can see what's going on in France and apply to the United States. But you have the fact that you have disenfranchised youth. Youth are not getting educated. They're not getting skills um, at the very fundamental level in these um, housing projects, right? That's one phenomenon. The other phenomenon is middle-aged peoples as prices are going up, that's why we saw the yellow vest protests phenomenon too among the next age group. And as older people, they're looking at the fact that they may not be able to retire and may not get the benefits that they put into the French social security system, which took close to 24% of their wages when they were in it. So young, middle and old, older people are all concerned in France. And at the same time, fertility is dropping. So you're not producing enough new employable people with significant wage capabilities to fuel um, the pension system. So you have a bunch of things converging and all these things are also converging in the United States. The only solution out of this is not politicians because politicians over the last 50, 60 years all over the world are so embedded, they're only looking, I think James, what we said is these short-term solutions. I'm getting elected, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get elected, and then I'm going to do whatever it takes to meet the needs of those people that elected me. I'm not looking at a long-term select solution. And I think that's a critical thing here. And I think that's at the heart of the root cause. The political system is all corrupt because it's based on putting someone in office who will do what you need them for short term. Because if you're elected for five years, you're not looking at being there, you know, supporting the institution because you have to get elected. So you're doing very, very short term solutions. 
And so to thinking that these systems are ever going to result in long-term solutions, a system that's based on short-term solution, James, to get elected is never going to deliver the long-term necessary solutions. Absolutely not. Can't. It can't. It's systemic. It's a systemic problem. And I think that's really the takeaway. A Mm -hmm. system that's designed to incentivize people to do short-term activities so they get reelected is never going to do something that's for the long-term gain. And this is why China has such a benefit right now, but they do it fascistically. They give up freedoms top down is they they have a thousand year plan or a hundred year plan. And so they are on a path to achieve that hundred year goal, which is very different than quote unquote democratic societies, which means the only solution James I see for the elites is to become a China. (laughs) And this is why I think Elon Musk, when he got back from China or at China, he goes, the United States and China are conjoined twins. So if you're the elites, you're saying, hmm, this democracy really bugs us. So the only way we can su- su- succeed is we're going to just impose top-down solutions. That's another way of looking at it. And you, you're able to say that they exist to control you. That is the reason that these, these politicians exist. And this is the message that I'm giving out here. They exist to control you. And they're not one of you. You know, when they're, politi- when they're politicking, they're coming in the neighborhood kissing babies. They're not one of you. And, uh, you know, we have to look at them and to see what they're doing, if, if they, what they have done, if they were there before, and are, they, are their deeds matching their words? You know, so James, what are they doing? someone just put up, um, riots in France apparently are mostly out of the Islamic migrant areas. Do you want to address that, James? Yeah, that's where I told you earlier that I didn't want to go there because I don't want to stigmatize to say that it's uh, uh, the Islamic uh, migrant areas. Right. You know? uh, there are issues there, and uh, these are the people perhaps that have been marginalized because of that statement there. Islamic yeah. migrants. Yeah, so and- I think I think the issue is to this guy, Rob Digadin, before even these immigrants came in, uh, France has a rich history of mass protests that go back to the Paris Commune, right? Which were not Islamic immigrants. And I think when we do that, Rob, this is why, Rob, you should come and take the course. Um, you will understand that we need to take a systems approach. Just like the life expectancy in the United States is dropping like this, James. And if you remember, I said this is not the vax or the anti-vax. It's a sy- system of issues. And the elites always want us to be reductionists. They want people to be dumb. They want you to say, oh, it's the black guy over there, right? It's this guy over here, or it's a brown guy, or it's that white working class guy who's a redneck. They always want you to blame a particular piece of it. They don't want you to see the interconnections. So I think that's a big takeaway here, James. I think um, if people, I think, understand one thing, and maybe you want to make some uh, final points, James, before we sign off. What's well, the that, uh, we, we have to be very cognizant of the point that the, the politicians are, they are not left or not right. There is no left and right. They play this uh, uh, cinema here in France very strong, left and right. We were speaking earlier about uh, uh, Hollande being on the left and Sarkozy being on the right. And uh, where's Macron? He came in as a left, and now he's in the center. But, you know, he turns out to be 
uh, a little right wing extreme right because look at the money that he's throwing at uh, ukraine you know what is what is, what have the russians done to you to make you want to kill them all this is this is madness so that's what i did the, the, just to, the, the takeaway today is that these elites they want to control you that is what they want and we cannot let them do that we have to be able to think ourselves and the way to do that is through system science. Learn the system science. It's a way of life. And when you know that, you can go through life and you can enjoy it. Yeah, James, I remember when we were in Sardinia, your wife said you have three of those shirts that you keep wearing, the Truth From Hell shirts. Um, but I think I think it's it's a very powerful statement because when we put together Truth, Freedom and Health, we recognize without freedom, you can't practice real science and education to get to truth. And without truth, we can't find out what's right for our health, economic health, physical health, financial health. And without health, you don't have the wherewithal to fight for truth and freedom. So to all of you listening out there, recognize that we're, we're going at the real problem and the real solution. Those of you want to just blame a particular religious group, or you just want to blame a particular individual or a particular, you know, it's a right wing or the left wing, it's exactly where they want you to be. So we have created an infrastructure. We've made it very accessible. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com, become a warrior scholar. We do these talks and these videos to really educate people. Really, uh, everything we do is volunteer driven. So Pete, become part of it. You know, my campaign, James, as you know, for president um, is running because typically you have the obvious establishment who wants to just put the hammer down. And then you have the not so obvious establishment which talks the words they want to help you. But we are the ones calling out both saying both of them are from the elites. And it doesn't matter what they say. We've been exposing this fool Robert Kennedy because he's an excellent case study to show exactly the hypocrisy. Says one thing one day, does something else the other day. And then they have it, um, they have it so they can cover him up. And the only way forward is us. So my running for president is to be very honest with people saying that if I win the presidency, I will keep doing videos like this, James, but we'll have a bigger megaphone. And it's to educate people, inspire people to uh, be leaders in their own communities, bottoms up. Ultimately, that's the only thing that's going to change people. Let me just put a banner up on that. So if you see, you can go to Shiva for president. How can you participate there? Well, separate from becoming a truth, freedom, health warrior, scholar, that'll last you a lifetime. It's like you're learning a new language. Um, I, um, but here at Shiva for President, you can volunteer wherever you are. You can also donate. But when you donate, I can never take money for not reciprocating. So unlike other people say, give me money and they give it to their friends. They take your money and they give it to consultants. We take your money and we reinvest it back in you, um, the content. But most importantly, we give you knowledge. You can become a truth, freedom and health warrior. So go look at that. Even on the campaign side, you give me money, I give you back knowledge and information and education because education is ultimately the way out. Anyway, James, thank you. I know it's getting late there, but thanks for participating. Thank you, Dr. Shiva, and I wish you all the best and everyone that's here. Yeah. Freedom and health is the way forward. Yes, so people are saying thank you. Uh, Christian says, thank you, James, right. and Dr. Shiva for giving us real news. Yeah, thanks, James really awakening people to let people know this is uh, what's really going on in France. Thanks, James. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. Okay. Be well, everyone. Um, have a good night. Watch 
Um, uh, we'll be doing these interviews each day. And again, Thursdays, every Thursdays, every Thursdays, come to our open house and orientation. You'll meet other incredible people. And the reason I invite people is because we don't want you to feel lonely, that the world is desperate. There's nothing you can do, that you're all alone. You're not. There's some incredible people who are really learning how to really move the world forward. So be part of that. Thank you, everyone. Be well, be the light. Thank you. All right, James, one second. If we just wave goodbye, James, because it'll be the thumbnail as we end. Thanks, everyone. Be well. I wish everyone... Uh,